Final Fantasy 16 is released, and I have some early impressions of it after gushing over the demo. Plus, the FTC is now seeking an injunction on the Microsoft Activision merger, and bombshells have already come out. Tonight is June 25th, 2023, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so not, you would say uh, even if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That's right. And in none of that did I talk about the Nintendo Direct, which also happened this week. It seems so long ago that the Nintendo. It was just Wednesday, and I'm not even. I don't even have it in the show roll. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a not Wednesday edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. We do tape the show live just about each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash VOG Network. Come join us live and interact with the show directly. But uh, I do understand this is a podcast. Uh, they come up, go up pretty late. Uh, but you can uh, always comment back on at previous episodes or suggest things to talk about on future episodes by going to our Discord server. Vognetwork.com slash Discord is where you will be able to find that uh, and uh, get your free invite and into the text chat channels that we have there. And when we do take calls, we also do it through that. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, so that, that's, uh, we have that going on and that's actually where our first comment comes in from an episode two weeks ago, uh, that when I was talking all about VR, so, um, you know, I didn't, I bet you didn't expect VR talk here on the show tonight with everything else going on. Uh, but we actually do. And it was because I was talking about the, uh, Apple vision pro a couple weeks ago, uh, when it was announced and I, I made some erroneous comments because all I had to go through were the videos, uh, that they had posted. I really hadn't, uh, gone into like in depth or anything because I'm like, all right, it's out of my league. I'm not going to be getting it, uh, on day one, but other people will. Uh, and people have actually used the device. And even when I had recorded the show, people had actually used the device. Like right after that keynote, they let people try it. And I just didn't do that much much homework. But that's where the Discord server comes in. That's where chat comes in to kind of help fix things up. So I was talking about, uh, I made the erroneous claim that it was actually just augmented reality. It's a glass. And so you look through the glass and you can see the person's eyes. That's actually not what's happening. It actually is a VR device. I was calling it an AR device the whole time. Uh, but it actually does function as a VR device. As MameFan in our Discord server pointed out to me, he said, uh, uh, they, they said, Apple Vision Pro is passed through via uh, video via camera. So I was talking about the pass-through technology that we have on like the, our, our Valve Index or the Quest, uh, MetaQuest line has, uh, stuff like that. Not glass or plastic like you look through. Uh, the HoloLens was basically plastic that you look through. The Tilt 5 that I have, uh, that is essentially glass that you look through. So you actually see in real time, You, you it's just like wearing glasses. Uh, the Vision Pro is not like that. It is an enclosed headset. 
Um, and so they basically, so I would get 3D. I am stereo blind, the, uh, so I don't see in 3D, except in some of these VR devices, it tricks my eyes into thinking it's getting a 3D image, and my brain's like, let me decode it for you, which my eyes normally do not give a 3D image to my brain. Um, the uh, I said that I probably thought it was glass because of the eyes on the outside. So if you watch video of the Apple Vision Pro, which I don't have queued up for the Twitch people, uh, you can see the eyes and, and all that stuff uh, on the front. But that is actually a display, and it is a high megapixel display. Uh, but uh, when you're watching everything on video and you're not seeing it in person, uh, it looked like it was normal glass pass-through. But uh, in person, obviously, I believe it looks like it's a screen. So probably the same eyes that are used in the Persona, uh, and it might be video of your eyes if there are cameras inside the headset, which there is eye tracking. We do know that there's eye tracking in there. Uh, it's 11.5 million pixels per eye, and the Valve Index that we have is 2.3 million pixels per eye. So it's a, it's going to be a lot better, which I would hope for something that costs $3,500, that it would have more pixels per eye than an, uh, a headset that costs like one-tenth as much or, well... More than one tenth, one one fifth, one seventh. I don't know. Maths are. Um, also, because I was saying that like the Vision Pro doesn't really do anything that uh, in, in VR that hasn't either already been tried or something that hasn't already been looked into. Uh, saying, uh, I am. Uh, I think being able to scan your face with lidar from the headset and create a persona from that scan is new. I've never heard of an HMD that can do that. I think other technology can do that. And they're just putting it in with the HMD, um, which is which is great. Um, you know that that's not a knock against it, but it's it's not something that was kind of invented here. Although it was invented, now that Apple is invented, everybody's going to do it. And also says that Rec Room is coming to it, so we are getting some some games, which they had talked about. The thing that I didn't really touch on was uh, that. Um, it does not work with glasses. And I think I might have mentioned this, but I want to make a bigger point of this, um, is that it does not work with glasses. So if you wear glasses, you cannot use the Apple Vision Pro straight up. You have to order uh, prescription lenses. You send your prescription to Apple, and it will cost anywhere from 300 to $600 on top of the $3,500 to get your prescriptive lenses that basically apparently just magically like attach to the, the it's, it's not hard to put them in or out, um, which is going to be fun when you are, when there are multiple people needing to use the headset that all have their own prescriptions, uh, like in a work environment, you know, maybe there's only one dev kit for the office for people that are building for this. Uh, and they all have different prescriptions and they're all going to have to get their own pres uh, prescriptions or you just wear contacts. Uh, but if you can't wear contacts, a lot of people like literally cannot wear contacts. Uh, they can't touch their eye. There, there's a lot of things about contacts that a lot of people shy away from, which is why they wear glasses. Um, and this this will not work with glasses. Uh, it will mess up the eye tracking is what they say. Uh, and you will need to basically get your own lenses with your prescription fitted, which if your prescription changes often, you're buying new lenses all the time if your prescription is changing. So, uh, yeah, and uh, Ranma says that's some BS. Pod Culture says that is also some serious BS. Uh, and Questor says, you get a prescription, you get a prescription, you get a prescription. Like, yeah, so every other headset I've used, I've been able to wear my glasses underneath. Um, and, and I do, like, even the PSVR 2, I wore my glasses underneath when I did the majority of it. And it was able to attract, uh, it was able to track my eyes just fine. 
Um, I guess there, there wasn't that much reflection in my glasses that would trick it. That's the only thing I can think of. Uh, but maybe with the different types of cameras that they're using to mimic your eyes on the outside, maybe glasses don't work with it. So, um, Tackle says, do the descriptions need to be distanced? Because for VR, that's what's required to see uh, VR properly. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I only have a distance prescription. So that's the one I would be using. Um, so it, it, because I, I do know that there are different, you can get different prescriptions for close up, but most people have for whichever one that they're, that they uh, normally have for their glasses. Because it, it is kind of, it's kind of counterintuitive that you would need the distance vision for VR, even though the screen is right here. You would think if it being close up would work. No, it's, it's interesting how that works. Because, like, I can see things that are really close up without my glasses on just fine, uh, but not VR. Nope, I have to have my glasses on in VR. Uh, Tarklaw says, I have three prescriptions, distance, reading, and progressive. I I would, uh, I don't know. The, ans the answer to that is I don't know because the Apple Vision Pro isn't out yet. And they don't actually have details. They don't even know how much it's going to cost. They've just said it's going to be anywhere from 300 to $600. What that means, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be closer to the 300 or closer to the 600 or if it depends on an astigmatism or, or stuff like that. Um, I, I, we don't know yet. So let's talk about something that it doesn't matter if you're wearing contacts or glasses or progressive lenses or, or anything like that. Final Fantasy 16. I am not going to go into spoiler territory here. I have played a little bit more of the demo uh, of the game, not the demo, uh, picked up where the demo left off. Um, and I play a little bit more of the game, and I can kind of see some of the flaws in it now. Uh, I still do like the story. I still am invested in the story. I do like the characters. I like how they uh, do reminders of the story. Uh, at any time, you can hit, like, the big touchpad or whatever that's on the PS5. Uh, anytime you can hit that, and it will show you, like, the relevant things that are going on in the scene, either inside the cutscene or if you're out in the field or, or in, a, in a central area. Uh, and you can go through and kind of look and read who they are. So if, like, you forgot who that person was that they talked about, uh, you can look it up there. There's also a lore uh, person in this, the central area that you unlock basically right after the demo uh, that uh, that you can also look back at all of those. And so you could go through and it even shows, like, it'll have, like, related articles. It's like Wikipedia. They've got They built Wikipedia in this. And apparently later on, they do even more, and I saw it on uh, Rob Roberts, who's been streaming it. Uh, he's farther in the game than I am, but he added there was like this 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 family tree type thing, a relationship matrix thing that shows. And I'm like, Kingdom Hearts needs that. And then I'm like, wait, Kingdom Hearts? It would make no sense if Kingdom Hearts had it. You wouldn't be able to decipher it. But um, that uh, it does a really good job of, of, of that stuff. But where I can see some of the uh, hardcore RPG fanatics. Uh, not liking this is that it's really not an RPG. Like, it's not a Final Fantasy-style JRPG in the sense of, like, items. Like, yeah, it's got items. You can craft items, but really you're crafting, like, one item. Everybody's going to craft the same item, at least where I am at the game. Uh, everybody's going to craft all the same stuff. It's very linear. You don't have that much customization options, at least where I am in the game. Uh, I tell you how far I am in the game, but it also doesn't tell you how long your playtime is. Uh, there is nowhere that says, here's how long you've been playing. Uh, the save file doesn't have it. It's not in the main menu. So I don't know how, f 
I know how far I am in the game, kind of. Like, I was able to tell Rob, I'm like, oh, this just happened. He's like, okay, I kind of get where you are. But I can't say, like, I'm six hours. I'm seven hours. I'm eight hours in the game. So it is very much RPG light in the sense that it has those elements because they figured it's Final Fantasy. They have to put those elements in. But it's kind of the minimum effort, I believe, because they really looked at the story and the combat. And Questbuster even says, I'm enjoying Final Fantasy 16 so far, but it will definitely test some expectations. Yes, and it's because it's it's a new Final Fantasy from new new people. Like it is Devil May Cry uh in the combat. It's Devil May Cry light. Like it is not as uh I think it can be as deep as Devil May Cry, uh, but they've made it in such a way that where it doesn't have to be as deep as Devil May Cry. But people who enjoy that combat, they will find a lot of depth in there. Uh, with with some with the icon abilities and things like that, uh, but they've also been able to kind of scale it back. But that's where they really uh spent a lot of their time was in the set pieces with the kaiju fighting, which is the icons, um, and the combat system and the story, the script. Which, by the way, once again, I want to remind: English is the original language. They wrote the script in English. The script was originally acted in English. All the, uh, the the motion capture was done with English by the actors speaking in English. Then they dubbed it into Japanese. So if you want to play it in the original language, you're going to be listening to it in English. So uh, Questbuster says, I can't shake the feeling of it being Devil May Cry fantasy. Uh, I just unlocked the devil trigger. I mean, excuse me, the limit ba- break gauges. Yes. Um, that is... Uh, that That's... Uh, I mean, the combat director came from Devil May Cry. So they they literally set out to make Devil May Cry. And there's even like an arcade mode where you can get the stars and the rating just like Devil May Cry. It, it really is Devil May Cry fantasy. Um, there are still Final Fantasy elements in the story. Uh, it does feel like a Final Fantasy in that sense, but it does not feel like Final Fantasy in the gameplay, which is, I think, what they want. Uh, if you want the the traditional turn-based gameplay, that's where you go to... And I think it's uh, Creative Business Unit 2 makes these uh, because they've, they've got four Creative Business Units. Three is the one that did this, and they also do Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, one does like the traditional Final Fantasies and the Kingdom Hearts, and two does your Octopath Traveler, your Bravely Default, all those games that are more of a traditional old-school turn-based RPG. That's where Square wants you to go for that gameplay. Final Fantasy is not that anymore. It is very much, it wants to be a cinematic experience, an action-packed experience. And Questbuster says, you can't really grind either. It feels like one of those RPGs that's heavily linear in delivering upgrades just in time for you to survive the next section. Yes, it's, uh, it, it, it does, from what I understand, it does kind of, when it opens up, you can find, like, enemies that you've overleveled. And, and they're easier to play. But so far, like, it knows when you get to this part of the story, you are not going to be higher than level 13, so all the enemies are going to be level 13. You will get to level 14 before you get to the end, so then the final enemies are going to be 14. It does not level with you like a Final Fantasy VIII did, uh, but they it is very linear in the sense of we know you're going to be here at this point, and you aren't going to be any... You're, you cannot overlevel. Maybe later in the game, I think you can. Uh, you can overlevel a little bit and the enemies will not scale to your level. But right now, uh, especially in the beginning uh, that's trying to hook you, you are you are on a rail. This game is very much on rails, which so is Final Fantasy 13. I didn't mind it there either. 
Questbuster uh, does say uh, the combat system is still a lot of fun. The Devil May Cry influence easily makes it entertaining for me, at least, who is a fan of the Devil May Cry series and the Bayonetta titles. Uh, Ronma says Final Fantasy 16 sounds a lot like 13. I want to say 13 had more customization options than 16 is showing me so far. Um, and remember, you're also only playing as the single character. Like, you don't get to really customize your party. Um, you don't get to, to really direct them. As far as I can tell, you can direct your dog, uh, that your dog companion, but that's about it. And you can pet the dog, and there is a trophy if you pet the dog enough times. So be sure to give much love to Torgal. As Sharon Matt says, from a little bit I've seen from Rob Stream, uh, the story in the side quest it really earns that M rating. Yes, it does. There's a lot of in it. Um, and a lot of other things are like, wow, they did that. Yes, they totally did that. Uh, and then they did it again, and then they did it again. Um, like some of the elements are like, damn, that's messed up. Yes, there are, there are some very messed up things. Uh, think Game of Thrones type stuff. Uh, they were heavily inspired by Game of Thrones. So remember that. So if you were not into the Game of Thrones style storytelling and how it maybe depicted women, um, then you're probably not going to appreciate Final Fantasy 16. I want to talk about the, uh, the diversity issue that a lot of people have brought up. So there's a lot of white people. In this, there's not that many black people in the game. And I see why. I see why they're doing that. Uh, and it's because in the sense of the story, and some of this has been shown in the, uh, in the, uh, the demo, uh, when a character is branded, which means they have the sword on their, their thing, uh, they are actually considered enslaved. And they actually have slavers that treat their enslaved uh, poorly. And that's like it's actually shown like very begin early on in the demo. There's a different uh, slaver and 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 stuff going on there. So it's a lot about that. And I can see that the optics would be really bad if there were people of different colors uh, that were depicted in that way. Either having uh, people of color being the slavers or pe- people of color being enslaved. It does make it a little bit easier to tell the story. And I'm not saying that this is right. I'm saying it makes it a little bit easier to tell the story if everybody looks the same outwardly, yet different people are treated differently. It's more of a class slavery than a physical look slavery. So I see why that happened. I, I see why they went that way. Um, and that was really the story that they wanted to tell. And that is actually something that is very integral to the central storyline of the game is the, the bearers, which are the enslaved people being freed. And there's a lot of underground railroad stuff going on. Uh, and that's the story that they're trying to tell. And I can see why they probably shied against having people who looked differently in the face and the skin, uh, because then they could be called insensitive for including that. So they just like, everybody's white. Everybody looks the same, except these people have different powers. And so they're treated differently. And DJ Ramas says kind of like India's caste system. Yes, it, it, it is a lot like that. Um, and they do not treat the people who are bearers very well. They don't do that. So I get it. I know that that sucks. Uh, for, for people who like to have diversity in games, but I see that if they had included that diversity, other issues possibly could have arisen. And unfortunately, it's so ingrained in the story 
that this is the story that they wanted to tell. ZenMonkey11 says, this game sounds bad for me. I need my turn-based combat. So, um, correct. It is an action game. And if, if you're not good with action games, no, you're right. This game, even on story difficulty, it might not be for you. It, it might not. And that is a conscious decision that they have made. Now, they do have these accessibility items uh, that you can get, but they take up, uh, they take up accessory slots. So you can have it to where it auto-dodges for you, but that takes up one of your three accessory slots. There's another one that does all the flashy combos for you. That takes up an accessory slot. Uh, there's one I, I pre-ordered it, so I got the digital pre-order bonus, and uh, that one of those is you get more gill. Uh, it gives you a little bit more gill. That takes up an accessory slot. These are accessibility items, but... They're not, even the game developers themselves do not intend for people to use these for the entire game. They were kind of hoping that, okay, you'd have these at the beginning of the game, but then as you grow into the combat, you will, they're going to offer you accessories that are more powerful to, for, you know, augmenting your attack, augmenting certain spells, giving you other, uh, your character, other abilities that you will finally learn the combat enough that you will take those accessibility items off and instead equip the accessories. So by the end of the game, you don't have any of them on. That is their intention with the accessory stuff. There is a story focus mode and an action focus mode, which have different, uh, I guess that the enemies are, are different uh, or like some of the, the scaling is different. Uh, so if you're playing on story focus mode, it's still going to be easier than an action focus mode. But the items that they give you for the timely evasion, the timely dodge, uh, and and timely strikes and all that stuff, the developers actually want you to take those off by the end of the game. They want you. To, they would love to have you finish the game without any of those aids on. And Questbuster says they're training wheels, but you'll be missing out on huge boosts to your stats if they're taking up slots. Yes. And uh, Fistream says, I need two more cheat accessory slots. Yes. So that's that's uh, that's the fun stuff there. So uh, Final Phase 16, I wish I was further into it. I actually had a headache starting on Thursday. So I played it, but then I was like, I can't look at a screen uh, for a bit. And then my headache got away, went away today, and I had other stuff to do today. So uh, I'll be playing a little bit more this week. I will not be here next week here on the show. Uh, I'm not going to be here on 4th of July weekend. So it'll be two weeks before I see you again. Uh, and I'll have played a little bit more of it. Um, so this game, it's not a Final Fantasy for everybody. Uh, where Final Fantasy 15 even said a Final Fantasy for new fans, uh, newcomers and old timers alike or something. That's definitely not this game. And Rob says, uh, Bobby just reminded me that I never cashed in the pre-order DLC code. Yeah, so if you cashed in the code, what you got was a, uh, you got a sword that reminded you of the original four warriors. So it was basically, it was a callback to the, the, the warriors of light. And it, uh, and it was a little, it's, uh, I only just like, it took me about five or six hours to get to the point where I got a sword better than that sword. So it gives you kind of a leg up for the first five hours. Uh, and then it gives you the Kate Sith, or at least the one I got gave you the Kate Sith armlet, which expanded your gill. Um, but apparently I think one of those, like you get a better one of those later in the game or something like that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so, so if you, you did pre-order it, remember to get those codes, that's what it gives you. And it gives you a license to have those, um, for those that played the game, the, the sword that it came with, 
uh, I think it had like 135 attack and 135 uh, stagger, which uh, by about five or six hours in the game, you finally get something that has 140 in each of those stats, and so then you get rid of it. Yeah, and Questbuff says the sword is 130 attack damage, and I already have something much better now, the pre-purchase sword. Yeah, so it really only helps you very in the beginning, right in the beginning. All right, so let's get some of the news that happened this week. Uh, so let's first talk about E3. So this news came out uh, this week, uh, and, and it came from a very unlikely source. It came from the city of Los Angeles. Video Games Chronicle reports that E3 2024 and 2025 have reportedly been canceled. That's according to the Los Angeles, uh, the Los Angeles City Tourism Board, which notes in a meeting packet, uh, which was spotted by Reset Era, published on Wednesday, the summary of a planned city conventions includes E3 cancellation for 2024 and 2025. E3 was due to return to its first in-person show in four years this month. However, after months of buildup and uncertainty, the show was canceled in March. At the time, E3's new organizer, Reed Pop, claimed that it, quote, simply did not garner the sustained interest necessary to execute it in a way that would showcase the size, strength, and impact of our industry, unquote. Uh, it's possible revival plans could involve relocating outside of Los Angeles, where E3 has been held for two decades, except for two years when it was in Atlanta, which most people forget about. But otherwise, the future of the once flagship event in the game industry does not look bright. Uh, in a statement to Video Games Chronicle, the E3 owner of the ESA claims that no final decisions have been made about next year's potential event. It says, quote, ESA is currently having conversations about E3 2024 and beyond, and no final decisions about the event have been made at this time. So, unquote. So, what what has basically happened is it's been canceled in the sense of it says on this Los Angeles Tourings, Tourism Board, it shows, like, Production results, citywide convention sales, and it talks about includes E3 cancellations for 2024 and 2025. All that means is that E3 2024 and 2025 will not take place at the Los Angeles Convention Center. And it probably won't even take place in the city of Los Angeles. That's all it means. Uh, I know we can sit here and say E3 is dead, E3 is dead, E3 is dead. It's not dead yet. It's just mostly dead and most likely dead, and we're all probably right. But... In fairness, all this means is that it's not going to be held in Los Angeles, if it is held at all. Um, and there were probably penalties for that, because they probably had the Los Angeles Convention Center booked up for those weeks, just like there was a penalty for this year. Uh, so that's not good. That's never good. Uh, DJ Ramaz says, uh, E3 is not dead. It's on life support. S.J. Ramaz says, I, I, if, hard if, E3 were to come back, wouldn't Vegas make sense? Yes, Vegas would make sense. Uh, there are a lot, yeah, and probably that would make the most sense, is having it in Vegas. Uh, San Francisco is also another possible destination. That's where Game Developer Conference is. It's got a nice big convention center. Um, and, and those are likely places. It's just, it's not going to be in Los Angeles. But I think, uh, I think we're more likely going to see PAX take on the E3 branding. I think, I, I really do believe... Either PAX will become E3, or PAX will basically call its show floor E3. And then they can say, E3 is coming to Seattle for the first time, and E3 will be coming to Boston for the first time. Uh, you know, and, and that way everybody can attend E3 as part of PAX. Um, I think that's more likely than E3 being its own thing, because... Uh, Reed Pop couldn't put together an industry trade show that anybody wanted to go to, and so 
just take that branding, take all the consumers that were always had a dream of going to E3 and give them E3 at PAX. Um, and DJ Romance says E3 powered by PAX. Uh, pro- I would say like, I, you know, I, and I think we talked about this when Reed Pop uh, made their original statement about E3, this year's E3 being canceled, uh, is that I think maybe they'll just rebrand PAX to E3 because really, is it much about Penny Arcade? Like, how much of Penny Arcade is still in PAX? I know they no longer call it the Penny Arcade Expo. That branding went away years ago. It is now literally just PAX. And what does PAX stand for? PAX. It's it's just PAX. Does, doesn't mean anything. So, I think that, you know, if they, were, if they really wanted to get on that train, they'll rename it E3. Uh, and then it won't be in Los Angeles anymore. DJ Romance says, if E3 becomes a branding, it will be gone in two years. This didn't work when they turned New York Anime Fest into a branding, and they rolled it into New York Comic Con. I honestly think they're just going to change. I, I, I would change PAX to E3, and it's no longer called PAX. It is now called E3. It is, it is everything that PAX was, but they're just going to call it E3 because that has bigger name recognition than PAX does. As as much as weird as that sounds, it really does. E three has better name recognition than PAX. And then uh, the next stuff that was going on is uh, the FTC has uh, has decided that uh, Activision and Microsoft should not be together. Uh, Reuters reports that the U.S. Federal Trade Commission on Thursday argued in a federal court for a preliminary injunction to temporarily block Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Uh, the FTC lawyer, James Wigginton, says, quote, if this deal is completed, the combined company is likely to have the ability and incentive to harm competition in various markets related to consoles, subscription services, and the cloud for gaming, unquote. The FTC argues it needs a judge to block Microsoft and Activision Blizzard from closing their $69 billion nice merger until the agency's in-house court gets to rule on whether the combination hurts competition in the video game industry. The FTC says that the uh, the combination would give Microsoft's Xbox video game console exclusive access to Activision games, leaving Nintendo consoles and Sony's PlayStation out in the cold. Which Microsoft lawyer Beth Wilkinson said in opening arguments, quote, I think you will see that every piece of evidence shows that it only makes sense for Xbox to make these Activision games available to as many people on as many platforms as possible. Unquote. Adding that if an injunction is granted, it could result in a three-year administrative proceeding that would kill the deal. And I think that's actually what the FTC wants, is to kill the deal. So that's not a, that's, that's not a uh, deterrent to the FTC. They're like, good. It'll kill the deal? Fine. Resolving the U.S. lawsuit is one of several key antitrust battles Microsoft and Activision have fought around the world to get the deal finalized. Microsoft's bid to acquire the Call of Duty video game maker was approved by the European Union in May, but British competition authorities blocked the takeover in April. That The FTC has argued that the deal, which would be the largest for Microsoft and the biggest in the history of the video game business, would give Microsoft the ability and increased incentive to withhold or degrade Activision content in ways that substantially lessen competition. It's not going to be Activision that degrades the content on other consoles, and we're going to get to that in a second. Microsoft has said that the deal would benefit gamers and gaming companies alike and has offered to sign a legally binding consent decree with the FTC to provide Call of Duty games to rivals for a decade. Uh, The hearing is scheduled to proceed through June 29th, and uh, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella and Activision CEO Bobby Kotick are among the witnesses for next week. So it's starting. 
going back to the previous story, I do want to read this. DJ Ramos says, if they do this, I cannot see E3 continuing to be an exclusive industry show. Uh, because if, if PAX rebrands to E3, it won't be an industry exclusive show. It's going to be a show for the consumers. It's going to be the Electronic Entertainment Expo available to all. E3 for everybody. So going back to this, uh, there is going to actually there was actually some other stuff that was uh, mentioned uh, on like the first two days of this. We got a lot of stuff that came came unsealed. The Verge reports that we're only minutes into the FTC versus Microsoft hearing. We've already had a bombshell revelation. Sony PlayStation chief Jim Ryan believed that Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard wasn't about locking games as Xbox exclusives, according to a newly unsealed email. Microsoft counsel revealed the exchange between Ryan and Chris Deering, former CEO of Sony Computer Entertainment, discussing the announcement of the deal last year. Ryan said, quote, it is not an exclusivity play at all. They're thinking bigger than that, and they have the cash to make moves like this. I've spent a fair amount of time with both Phil Spencer and Bobby Kotick over the past day, and I'm pretty sure we will continue to see Call of Duty on PlayStation for many years to come, unquote. So even Jim Ryan knows this is not about Call of Duty, which is why he said... And we have uh, have evidence of him saying this in front of regulators in Europe. I don't care about Call of Duty. I don't want a Call of Duty agreement. I want to just block your merger because he knows it's that's not about Call of Duty. He's going to make it about Call of Duty, but he knows that's not really what it is. The surprise revelation runs counter to Sony's arguments about Microsoft's Activision Blizzard deal and its filings with regulators. Sony has maintained that it fears Microsoft could make Call of Duty exclusive to Xbox or even sabotage the PlayStation versions of the game. Uh, Ryan went on to say, quote, we have some good stuff cooking, unquote, reser- uh, referring to Sony's Bungie acquisition, which Sony announced just days after the email exchange. I'm not complacent. He says, quote, I'm not complacent, but I'd rather this hadn't happened, but we'll be OK. We'll be more than OK, unquote. So what David Cuddy, the general manager of public affairs at Microsoft, said in a statement to The Verge, quote, Today showed Sony has known all along will stand by our promise to keep its games on its platform and make clear its work to lobby against the deal is only to protect its dominant position in the market, unquote. And uh, as Sharon Amat says uh, that uh, Sarah Bond, who's the Xbox vice president, had some interesting testimony. She said that Valve didn't sign a Call of Duty agreement with Microsoft because Valve felt Microsoft would put Call of Duty on Steam because Valve knows Microsoft. Uh, but they were actually saying, Sony was saying, well, this, or, and the FTC was saying, well, this could mean that, you know, games wouldn't be as good on, on Sony, and that would be because of this merger. Well, yeah, it would, because Sony would actually do it. Sony would actually cripple the developers. Uh, games Radar reports that Sony has said that it would have to withhold information about a PlayStation 6 from Activision if it was acquired by Microsoft. In a new deposition to the U.S. Federal Trade Commission on the matter of Microsoft's acquisition, uh, PlayStation's Jim Ryan made the comments. In short, Ryan says that if Activision were to become a Microsoft-owned company, it would force PlayStation to keep PS6 information away from the publisher. According to Ryan, PlayStation working with Mojang, the Microsoft-based uh, developer, ho- uh, Microsoft-owned developer who makes Minecraft, actually supports this concern. Because of the redacted nature of the comment, however, there's no real way to work out how PlayStation's work with Mojang supports Ryan's new concerns over Microsoft buying Activision. As Axios reporter Stephen Totillo recalls in another tweet, Ryan previously stated in December 2022 that Sony had collaborated with Activision on technical features for Call of Duty. The redactions from Ryan's deposition mean we won't know what those features are, but it's easy to imagine it being something revolving around the DualSense adapt triggers, for example. 
That could mean that if Microsoft acquires Activision, that Activision published games would have less features designed specifically around PlayStation hardware. That's essentially what Ryan's getting at here, although whether that's actually true or whether Ryan's presenting this as a hypothetical purely to get the merger canceled is another matter entirely. So basically what what they're saying is, uh, like, so, and Minecraft is, there is no PlayStation 5 version of Minecraft. There is no PS5 version of Minecraft, and possibly that's because Sony's not giving PS5 dev kits to Mojang. They have PS4 dev kits, and so they are continually working on the PS4 version of the game, but they can't make the PS5 game. Sony will not allow them to make a PS5 game, and they're going to point to that and say, see, that's because Microsoft owns them. That That's because of the merger. If you let that happen, that's going to happen. Um, and they're saying that you know they're going to withhold dev kits. Uh, Activision already has PS5 dev kits, so it's not going to affect this, but PS6, maybe Sony won't allow Activision to publish Call of Duty on the PS6 because they're not going to give them dev kits. That's kind of what Jim Ryan is kind of hinting at here is that if you're owned by Microsoft, you don't get our dev kits. We're not going to send them to you. Now, Sony has Microsoft Xbox Series X dev kits because they have MLB The Show. And Microsoft's like, here you go. Here's here's some dev kits. This all comes after the FTC recommended blocking Microsoft's uh, acquisition of Activision Blizzard King earlier this month. Both Microsoft and Activision Blizzard said at the time that they plan on appealing the ruling. But for now, at least, the potential acquisition looks incredibly unlikely to to be allowed to proceed by the U.S. regulator. It's going to be interesting to see if it's going to be allowed to proceed or not. Because there's a lot of testimony in here that's coming out uh, that I'm sure Sony didn't want coming out. DJ Ramas says, and this is how you strangle competition. It is. If this happens, maybe Call of Duty won't be using those PlayStation-exclusive features. Uh, Sony may not be helping the Call of Duty Activision make their games more optimized. Like, Sony does offer support to developers to work with their platform. Maybe they won't offer that support to, to Activision for Call of Duty, which then they can go around and say, see... Because of the merger, Call of Duty performs worse on the PlayStation 5 than it does on the Xbox Series X. See, we told you so, but it will really be because Sony is kind of undercutting and being like, no, we're, we're not, we're not going to help. We're not going to make things better for you. We used to, but now we're not. I will also mention there is no Minecraft version for the Xbox Series X either. It is still Xbox One running through backwards compatibility. That's how it runs on the PlayStation as well. It's just it's still the PS4 version that they're working on. Uh, so it's not like there's an Xbox Series X version of Minecraft out there yet. There isn't. So at least that part is consistent. Uh, we are going to take a quick music break, and then uh, we will talk to Rob uh, probably about Final Fantasy 16 and probably about the other stuff, because like I didn't talk about the Nintendo Direct at all. Uh, but there was stuff in the Nintendo Direct that I'm sure a lot of people were excited about. You're participating with The Bobby Blackwell Show. You're in the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Chocobo all day. Can't get it out of my head. Hey, this is Robbie Damon, the voice of all your favorite anime and video games, and you are participating with the Bobby Black Wolf Show. Have fun, baby. This sounds like you're having fun. 
Don't look at what they do to Chocobos in Final Fantasy 16. You really don't want to know. Uh, yeah, so if you want to leave a bumper, uh, you do not have to be a Final Fantasy voice actor. Um, although maybe if I can't, if, if I do run into a Final Fantasy 16 voice actor, I'll see what I can do. But all I got to do is uh, send me an MP3 with just your voice or a video of just you. I will choose what DMCA violation to put behind it. Uh, and uh, something about coming back to the Bobby Blackwell show. So uh, one of the things that we were talking about um, during that, we did talk a little bit about uh, the, the Nintendo Direct right before we went in. One of the, the Overclock remix I played that you didn't hear on the podcast was from Super Mario RPG, uh, which is what I was kind of excited about from, from that Direct. Um, and people were talking about either they didn't play through it, they didn't think they'd like it. I have never finished it, even though I own like the cartridge. I got it on like the Wii Virtual Console or the Wii U Virtual Console, one of the two. Uh, I have the SNES Classic. It's got it on, and I've got it like five different ways. Um, but I've never finished it. So, it, and, and there's also talk in here, you know, it's not, it, it's going to be a $60 game, which they don't normally do a, uh, they don't, they normally don't do that for like their remakes and stuff, but this one, it's voucher eligible. So they've confirmed that it is going to be a $60 game because they've, they've really got to remake it basically from scratch. And it's a huge game. It's not, a, it's not a small game by any means. It was a, it was a square RPG with, with Mario and, and, and friends. And uh, it had like, it had the same trigger mechanic as Final Fantasy VIII where, you know, so that was your action mechanic. So, uh, and DJ Ramas says, uh, Link's Awakening is also 60. So, all right. Uh, at least it's not 70 is what Dark Tetsuya says. Uh, so, yeah, so coming up next on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vlog network is Orange Lounge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do, and we like to check in with them and see what's going on there and, uh, and, and see uh, maybe, maybe there was stuff on the Nintendo Direct that, uh, you, that I should be talking about that wasn't Super Mario RPG. So we'll check with that. Uh, Sacramento, are you there? Hopefully I am after a hardware change over here, Bobby. Hi. Yes. Yeah. No, it looks good. Yeah, I'm I'm the one Great. that had the hardware issues tonight. I'm like, I keep looking now and I'm like, am I going to freeze on screen? For people on the podcast, my webcam like froze. And so I had to unplug it and replug it back in. Um, and, and so now I'm like afraid that's going to happen again. So. Well, w- when it did, I, I instantly in my mind was like, oh, he just needs to deactivate, reactivate, because how many times has that happened to me during live streaming? For some reason, yeah. No Man's Sky is the game that does yeah. that all the time, uh, probably because it streams. It's a pretty intensive, graphically intensive game from my PC, unlike yeah. Final Fantasy 16 from my PlayStation 5. So my computer's yeah. not trying to handle the game and the streaming. Yeah. And for me, like deactivating and reactivating didn't work because it didn't come back up. So I actually had to like oh. reach behind and like unplug the cable and plug it back in. Oh, and and then that reset the USB, and now everything's good. So, at least it's all good. Yep, yep, it's all good, and I'm still able to do stuff. Uh, I've got a beefy computer; it can't be the computer being the problem. But who yeah. knows? Um, so, then let's first talk about the Nintendo Direct because I'm. It's it seems so long ago because it was Wednesday, and like a game came out Thursday, and that's all that's been on my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know, um, I know Metroid Prime Four wasn't there. That's what a lot of people were hoping to see. Uh, but like it was Super, Mar- it was Super Mario RPG and uh, new, uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're getting a new two D, two D game. Was there anything else in that Nintendo Direct that you uh, you kind of co- honed in on? Well, a lot of people wondering what might have happened to Charles Bartonet because some people picking up that that did not appear to be his voice as Mario in the mm. trailer. So um, a lot of interest, you know, again, nothing confirmed yet by Nintendo, but there is a part of me that wonders, you know, at some point 
Mario's going to have to go into full voice acting. I th- yeah. well, I, I probably because of the cartoon, um, you know, and how well the movie's done. So yeah. I think there you might start to see a shift here. And it's really, but also at the same time, Charles Martinet is, you know, in his late 60s. He probably wants to retire at some point and maybe yeah. not, you know, do all this all the time. So uh, hopefully it's a thing that he's getting a choice and a say in and not, you know, being forced into. But something, something that people were definitely talking about after the direct, at least with the Wonder trailer. Mm-hmm. For me, I need to see more about the game. The trailer was kind of weird to me. I'm going to be honest, it was weird. I mean, I'll probably buy it anyway because I like 2D Mario games, yeah. but. It was a weird trailer to me. Uh, Something that was very interesting to me that they also showed was a Princess Peach game. Now, Mm -hmm. of course, Princess Peach did have a game on the DS. Yeah, Super Princess Peach, yeah. It looks like this one is going to kind of ignore that. Uh, And this is a different Princess Peach game that's coming. Although they didn't really show much. It appeared that maybe there's a dress sphere from Final Fantasy X-2 of some sort that Princess Peach will get. But um, which, you know might come off as you know oh god how freaking stereotypical but let us not forget that mechanic in Final Fantasy 10 2 was at actually really awesome and yeah. like everybody loved that mechanic so um sure if that's you know something princess peach gets then cool uh lots of farming sims otherwise you know uh some dlc for um mario and rabbits Dragon Quest Monsters uh, coming over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe this game's been out overseas for a long time. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like we're finally getting it. Um, I don't know, Vampire Survivors getting couch co-op. Yeah. Kind of a big deal to me. Some more details on Mario Kart. We know some of the other characters now. We're yep. getting uh, Kamek, the Wizard, mm-hmm. uh, the little I forget, the Wiggler, whatever they're called. Um, so we got a little more information on that. Oh, I know. A lot of people are very excited about Star Ocean. Uh, the second yep. story getting mm-hmm. a remake. That's a pretty big deal. There's a lot of yeah. people very into Star Ocean. So uh, this is really exciting news and uh, a new WarioWare game. But um, mm, I don't know if I was feeling it. Yeah. It's 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 like WarioWare meets everybody one two switch. And yeah. they're going to make you get one two switch no matter what. They're going to try. Yeah. They're like, here's Wario one yeah. two switch. Here's yeah. Princess Peach one two switch. <laughs> that's what we're gonna do but I, uh yeah i mean to heck with you if you have a switch light where yeah. the uh, controllers are fused to the machine yep. but um okay i i will say that the mario kart stuff i think this is the one of the first times that they're doing a stage that wasn't in something else because they may kind of made a big deal out of it because even like i think the ninja hideaway course was from mario kart tour and i think in this wave they're actually doing like an honest original course that hasn't appeared anywhere else oh that's good i thought they did have one other original that they just no they didn't really say it was original but you're right it could have just come from tour because a lot of yeah let's be real not a lot of us played tour so they feel original um but uh yeah no i I think that's great especially if they're looking to make the game's longevity then yeah they're gonna have to make some new courses eventually they're 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 almost tapped out on their retro stuff you know they're having to having to go to the deep cuts yeah and we're not getting mario kart 9 anytime soon because they're working on all this. Yeah. Like, this is going to be, like, this is the Smash Bros. Like, everybody is here. They're going to have every course. That's that's what we're doing here. Uh, Dark Tatsia did say the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection. So now you can get your the first Metal Gears. Yes. I I did not realize they had already announced that during Sony's events, too. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pointed out to me. Um, so I'll definitely, that, that has the MSX versions of Metal yeah. Gear in English. Like, that alone, that's all I want. Like, the rest yeah. of it is just icing on the cake. Those MSX versions of Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, wow, I want those real bad. Because the yeah. only way, 
I think you can play that otherwise is from like a collector's like a bonus disc that came with Metal Gear Solid 3 something I don't know yeah. so this will finally be a way I can play it yep and then uh, oh yeah Detective Pikachu Returns which is which was interesting because people looked at that uh, trailer and one site said who Detective Pikachu sounded like and everybody else ran with it and I'm here to tell you, no, Will Arnett is not the voice of Detective Pikachu in the game. And unfortunately, neither is Danny DeVito. No. Uh, who actually is the voice is uh, uh, Kaiji Tang, who is Ichiban in Yakuza, like a dragon. Oh, funny. He's act- That's actually the voice of it. But he sounds like Will Arnett. So I think like The Verge or The Polygon said by a voice actor sounding like Will Arnett. And then a bunch of other places said, Will Arnett is voicing Detective Pikachu and doing like a whole bio on Will Arnett. Jeez. When one person just said, it sounds like Will Arnett, but it's actually the same voice actor as Ichiban from Yakuza Like a Dragon. You know, once in a while, though, in this industry, the copy-paste journalism needs to be outed and Mm -hmm. um, butts need to be shown a little bit on that. So you kind of know, like, you know, what you're getting into with certain websites. Like, just look at and look, look. I, we've fallen for a few things in our day, too. I'm not going to say yeah. we're immune to it, but these types of situations are good reminders to, like, you know, just because a website runs with something doesn't always make it yeah. gospel, and it's okay to have a critical eye on yeah. things. So, Final Fantasy 16, you're farther in it than I am. Are you still I feeling am. it? I was worried when you showed up. I was like, Bobby, I'm, like, in really spoiler-heavy stuff, but you were like, meh. So- I, I was not really listening Okay. During the, I was waiting for you to get to the combat portion. Mm, um, gotcha. But yeah, no, like I've popped in and like it was in the middle of a cutscene, and then like I was like, "Yep, yeah, I'm gonna go play my own game." And like I got there like two hours later. I think it was like Saturday or something like that. So the cutscene uh, that you were seeing, so I was only a couple hours behind or so. Yeah. Um. But but yeah. So I mean, I haven't been there too much. Um. But but are you still feeling the game now that you're a little bit farther in the game? What What are your I, imp- impressions of it? I definitely am, and I can say, you know, definitively, this is better than 15, uh, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's definitely, and, and, you know, I actually didn't even consider 15 the worst Final Fantasy game. I'm not going to start that debate on this show. <laughs> uh, I didn't even consider it the second worst Final Fantasy game, mm-hmm. maybe third worst, uh, depending on if we put original 14 on the list or not. Um, but um, long story short, I firmly believe this will probably end up in the top half of Final Fantasy games for me overall. I actually don't think it will be the best one at the end of the day for me. Mm-hmm. I think six is still going to be at the top of the list. But I understand the reservations and the criticisms people have about how detached from the gameplay of the original Final Fantasy games this is getting. On the flip side of the coin, I understand that Final Fantasy has also always been a series that has kind of cut its own path and been on the cutting edge of a lot of these things. Yeah. So I get why it's doing what it's doing, but it makes a lot more of this discussion about should we have given this game a Final Fantasy number or should Square number Final Fantasy games anymore? I It makes a lot more sense to me why yeah. Square's having an identity crisis like that after playing this game, mm-hmm. because I can see why maybe they were hesitant to give it a numbered game. I think if they hadn't, it wouldn't have gotten nearly a, the attention it did. Yeah. See Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Yep. That game had its own issues. But actually, I I was pleasantly surprised. And, you know, I streamed that game from uh, start to finish, too. I was pleasantly surprised how at the end of that game, it really did kind of come together. And the ending is actually like there is a twist towards the end of the game that's very like, oh, 
oh that's good mm-hmm. like it's it's like a really like neat twist that actually stands alone really well as its own story um i just i i think they should have called it final fantasy origins i don't know why they called it stranger paradise and it goes back to this this weird um well I take that back because everybody's going to think of the PlayStation collection. I know somebody's already yeah. typing it in chat. They already had a game called Final Fantasy Origin. I I understand that, but you if they can do Super Princess Peach twice, they can do this. Yeah. So uh, I call it Final Fantasy Origin or something. I, I think calling it Stranger of Paradise was a mistake, and I think I think I think some of the marketing and the way they leaned into certain things was a mistake. But anyway, my point is there was a lot of really good stuff that was done in that game too. I don't it's not nearly as refined in that game as it is here. You can tell there's much more money spent here on 16 than there was on Stranger of Paradise. Mm-hmm. But I understand why Square was nervous about calling it Final Fantasy 16. It is a departure. But it is a departure we've seen the series slowly moving in. Like yeah. I feel like whenever everybody's talking about, oh, th- this action thing is like completely new to Final Fantasy and yeah. it's such a departure it's like Okay, did any of you play 15 at all? Or 13 like, or 12? You want to talk about a departure from the series? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Final Fantasy has been going this way for a while. Yeah. Uh, actually. So, yeah. And Dijerama S says Final Fantasy Type 0, anyone. That's another really good example about, you know, Square doing a Final Fantasy game and not giving it a Final Fantasy mainline name. And it probably suffered as a result. I actually just think. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that game played very well, but I was yeah. remind somebody reminded me on Twitter, type zero is just as violent as 16. Actually, yeah. we've had a violent Final Fantasy game. It just wasn't a mainline game. And Tiger Claw so. says, how long until they do a multiversal Final Fantasy? Uh, about what, 15 years ago? It's called Dissidia. It was originally for the PSP. Dissidia and World of Final Fantasy. Yeah. It's kind of like that too. And so, Theatrhythm. Like everybody's yeah. all together in Theatrhythm. They're, in a way, I would argue they're all multiversal in a way anyway. Yeah. And especially when you get into Ivalice games, like yeah. Tactics versus 12 versus 14 yeah. to an extent. So anyway, but that's that's a discussion for another day. I and I mean, Kingdom Hearts, you you, you had Eris and Squall like in the same scenes yeah. with Tifa. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yes. How um, long? About 20 years ago. But I, I I will leave you with this little tease, and I think, Bobby, you'll appreciate that. Um, Shane actually asked me, not the other way around. Shane asked mm. me and said, hey, when you beat Final Fantasy 16, can we, like, do a roundtable show Ooh. to talk about 16? And I was Ooh. like, yes, of course, of course right. we can. So maybe we'll finally get that spoiler-filled recap of a nice. game relatively recently after the game's release once we all get through it. Yes, I will I will do what I can to get through it. Uh, Dark to see asks, does that remind me, will, will we get any 16 songs in Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line? Uh, yes, because the last two DLC packs, they haven't said what they are. They just said unannounced game, uh, so it's going to be sixteen. So we're we're going to get at least one pack of sixteen songs from Final Fantasy sixteen yeah. um, in there. That they, they pretty much it. The writing's right there on the wall. They just they're like mm, read between the lines, and that's what the lines are. So it's like sixteen, and probably like I don't know if there's another Square game that's that came out. Um, because I think Octopath is one of the f- upcoming ones, and that would have had Octopath Traveler 2. Um, but maybe there's another Square game or something that they're anticipating. Somebody uh, had already deduced what it was, and I just forget in the moment yeah. what it is. But it, it's another Square Enix release. Or, yeah. Honestly, it could be two packs of Final Fantasy 16 music, let's yeah. be real. Because, I mean, so can deserve it. 
yeah. with, with, with the music in there. All right. Uh, so what else are you going to be talking about on Orange Lunch Radio tonight? Hey, look, all I'm going to say is it's our 21st birthday. What? Quick, how many radio programs do you know that have hit 21 years? So you know what? Join us for Orange Lounge Radio, and you're required to bring us cake and a shot. Yep. Here, here's the... There we go. That's what we're going to have for... Yeah, so happy, happy birthday. It was a couple days ago. It was the 23rd, so... Yeah, technically it's the 23rd, but, you know, we're, we still only do Sundays, yeah. So what's the drink of choice? Um... Uh, hang on, I, I didn't. Wait a minute, I didn't I'm, put the content filter on for Twitch. We can't actually talk about it. Um, <laughs> a non-alcoholic orange cream sickle shot. There we go. All right, Orange Lounge Radio, the old program, the legendary program, is up next. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks as always, Bobby. So that is it for me. I will not be here next week. I will be back in two weeks. Here on the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Vogue Network. Come join us and interact with the show directly uh, next week. Uh, I hope if you are here in the United States, we are celebrating the 4th of July, uh, which is our independence. We celebrate the birth of our nation by blowing a piece of it up. If you are going to be blowing a piece of our nation up, please, please, please be careful. I want you to have every extremity that you currently have today. I want you to have it after July 4th. So please, please, please be careful. Uh, if you're not in the United States, um, just have a good weekend. Like, it's it's going to be just another weekend for you. Uh, but I do want everybody to be careful. I will also be careful. I'm not going anywhere where we're blowing anything up. Uh, but uh, I will not be here on next Sunday night. So uh, you will just be OLR then. Uh, so you can find me on uh, on uh, on social media at Bobby Blackwell just about everywhere. I've even posted two TikToks in the last week because I have a new phone now that it can actually, like, record good video and audio uh, instead of the old like phone from 2017 I was using. So I even put some stuff on TikTok. It's at Bobby Blackwolf. Mastodon instance is mstdn.games if you are looking for the right Bobby Blackwolf there. Or you can go to our uh, Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. Uh, if you uh, like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone. The show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not... Uh, but if uh, somebody who does not know about it yet, it may be for them. Uh, but I cannot make the show work without the help of the chatters who go above and beyond. So I do want to thank the people that did subscribe on Twitch tonight during the show. Orange Wright repeated the Jam Wolf emote, which is our little animated uh, emote of uh, of the little wolfy logo with headphones banging its head. Uh, I love that emote. I use it everywhere. Uh, Rob Roberts resubscribed saying, did someone give me a sub before I could use Prime? LOL, thank you. And Loki resubscribed for 21 years. So... Uh, that is, uh, thank you so much for all of that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and hit this button that plays the outro music before the camera decides it's going to freeze up again. And, uh, I will see you in two weeks and take care of yourself next week. Like I said, don't blow yourself up. Thanks. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom, although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.